Well, praise the Lord. It's great to see everybody here this morning. I am so thankful that we still have people that have a passion to gather together in the name of Jesus, to worship together, to lift Him up. Amen? We're in the middle of a series. If you're joining us today and you're a guest, we want to welcome you here. We are delighted to have you here. And after the service, I would love to meet you and spend some time with you, answer any questions that you have. Um, so I'll, immediately after the service, I will be at the coffee shop right out there in the foyer. And uh, I'd love to, to meet you. So God bless you. We're delighted if you're here today and you're a guest. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We're continuing our series entitled Dress for Battle. And I think it's evident in the world today with everything that's taking place that we are in a battle. We're in a spiritual battle. But praise the Lord, He has not sent us off into battle without being suited up for battle. Amen? He's given us weapons that are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to pull down strongholds. We're going to look at that. What is a stronghold? We're going to talk about that today. But today we, we're going to focus, we've, we've looked at several different aspects of our armor. And today we're going to continue to do that. Let's just read this wonderful passage of Scripture again. Begin with me in chapter 6 of Ephesians, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. How are we strong, in the, strong to face every battle? In the power of His might. We're strong in the Lord. Amen. In other words, you can't do it in your own ability. You don't have what it takes. It doesn't matter how many hours you spend at the gym, how large your muscles are, how great your body is. When it comes to fighting a spiritual battle, you're not ready without the strength and the power of our Lord. The verse goes on, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's his strategies, his schemes, his lies. Verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. There's a promise. We will be able to stand in the midst of all the evil, whatever the enemy comes against us with, we are still able to stand because we're in Christ. Having done all to stand, that means we prepare ourselves that we can stand by having the armor of God on, by spending time in the Word, spending time in prayer, by living the life that God's called us to live. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the darts of the wicked one. Verse 17, this is our focus today. And take the helmet of salvation. Everybody say, helmet of salvation. Is there anybody saved here today? Amen. Do you have your helmet on? We need to understand what the salvation of God means to us. What it means for our lives. How that we have that helmet of salvation that we wear. Does he have a picture? Yeah, there it is. Good, good job. Now I want you to think about this. Now the, the Roman soldier's helmet was a very, very beautiful part of his armor. Some were much more elaborate than others. Some of them had... Uh, very detailed etching in them and, and engraving in them. But they were, they were very, very beautiful. They were even flamboyant. They were very ornate. But they were more than just a piece of armor. And the helmets have been discovered that actually had farm scenes engraved in them. Some of the helmets even had... Uh, the. The way they were built and constructed even looked possibly like the head of an animal. So they were unusual. They were odd. These helmets were very strong. And notice the huge red plume on this helmet. That was 
decorative. That was, that was also something that would make them obviously seen. Everybody say, obviously seen. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you've got that helmet on and you're in a crowd, you're going to be spotted. Amen? It makes him taller and that red on top makes him stand out. The helmets were, were uh, made of brass. They were strong. They were sturdy. They would be able to withstand the blow of a hammer or an axe. These beautiful bronze helmets and the pieces of them also notice the cheek pieces and the jaw pieces. They would come down and protect the soldier on the sides. These helmets weren't just a piece of metal wrapped around a soldier's head. And there's significance in the helmets. And they weighed so much, they were so heavy, so strong, that they could take those blunt strikes and still protect the soldier. They weighed so much that they would actually need to put some uh, soft, spongy material in the top of them because... It was so heavy on their heads. But I want us to notice something about the helmet because Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, compares our salvation to a helmet, a Roman soldier's helmet. Why does the Spirit of God direct Paul to do that? Listen, because your salvation is the most glorious Stunning, complex, elaborate, lavish, beautiful, wonderful gift that God has ever given you. Amen? Oh, is anybody awake this morning? Is anybody thankful for your salvation? Amen? It's beautiful. It's lavish. It stands out. It's noticed. And I love this. It's glorious. And Paul likens it to a helmet. And there's something that's so important about that. That a person who's walking in the confidence of their salvation, they understand the power of Jesus' blood and His death on the cross and on the third day when He rose again. They understand what their salvation means for their lives. Then, guess what? They're wrapped in that knowledge and that truth. And no matter how hard the enemy comes with his battle axe, he's not going to penetrate the helmet of salvation. And he's trying to do that all the time. And a person who is confident, who, who recognizes what Christ has done for them, church, they're going to be noticeable. Everybody say noticeable. I want this to sink in. Because we're living at a time when Christians need to be noticeable. Amen? There was a time when I was growing up as a young boy that uh, Christians, even the, I want you to relate this to the helmet. Even though a Roman soldier was brutal and mean, set all that aside, there was still an awe when someone saw a Roman soldier and there was still respect. In a crowd of people, he would stand out. This red plume was made of feathers or horsehair. And in a parade or a ceremony, sometimes that plume would be much longer than that. It would go all the way down the soldier's back. They would stand out in a crowd. And church, Christians should stand out in the world that we live in. Amen? There was a time in my life when, when Christians were respected, even by those that didn't understand them, didn't know them. There was an awe about how they lived their life. There was a respect about how they lived their life. They may not have agreed with it, but there was Something that there that they recognized was different than the life that they were living. It was different. They, it was because of what they said and what they did, their actions and their speech, and the life that they lived was different from that of the world. And the world saw that. The world may not like that. They may not believe that. But there was an awe about it and a respect that they had for Christians. 
And church, we live in a time where we need to get back to that. Amen? We need Christians that are going to wear their helmet of salvation boldly and proudly in the midst of the crowd, and they're not ashamed. They're, they want to stand out. They want people to know, hey, God got a hold of my life, and I'm not the same anymore. Amen? There's a difference about my life. I'm not better than you. I'm just in partnership with God. I've received His grace, received His love, received His mercy in my life, and God changed my life. I want to challenge you at work or when you're out in the community. Do people know that you're a Christian? Do you stand out? Do they have an awe for the life that you live? How do you speak? Do you speak just like those that are in the world? Do you live just like those that are in the world? Or do you live for the Lord? You say, Lord, you have control of my mouth. You have control of what I speak. You have control of my life. Let my life stand out. That's my prayer. Church, if we wear that helmet of salvation, it is not only a defensive weapon, but it shines to the world, and the world will say, what is different about them? I want to know what they have. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 4, or 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen? That's the helmet of salvation standing out to the world. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said, it says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So the light that we have, the reason we stand out, isn't because we in ourselves have our own strength and we live a different way. It's because the strength of Christ, the light of Christ is in our lives. And we shine to the world because Jesus is in us and He is shining. Church, if you don't receive anything else out of this study today, get this first point. God wants you to shine in the midst of the darkness. Amen? And when we understand our salvation and we're walking and living in that helmet of salvation, church, we're going to be noticed. Amen? I'll give you a quick example. When Mitch was graduating high school in, in Wrangell, we had one of the parents that came to us and thanked us. And we said, why? Why are you thanking us? And she said, because of the life that Mitch leads, they're not doing something that's been a tradition in this school for years. Every year when the, the graduating class would come to the very end of the semester, they would take a skip day and they would go up the Stikine River to the hot tubs with a boat full of beer. And they would party. And this mother came up to us and thanked us and she said, the class had so much respect for Mitch and they wanted him to be a part of their skip day that they're not doing that this year. They set aside their tradition. They set aside their fun and their, what they thought would be their pleasure. Why? Because one of the students stood out. And I don't tell you that story because he's my son. He's not perfect. I'm not perfect. But I tell you that story because it hit me and it hit Melinda so hard that this mother would come and thank us because we raised our son to walk the walk and talk the talk. In church, if we're going to make a difference, we need to walk the walk and talk the talk. Is our 
speech different from the world? Is our actions different from the world? Do we stand out? And I'm not saying that everybody's going to love you. Some people will stand against you. Some people will mock you and ridicule you. You will be persecuted just like Jesus was persecuted. But at the same time, church, I believe just like the Roman soldier, there will be an awe that, that comes upon the world when they see our lives. And there will be, church, a respect. Whether they want to or not. <laughs> They're going to respect it because we're sold out for Jesus. Amen? Turn to somebody and tell, tell them, your salvation helmet is obvious. <laughs> the next question, why did they really need a helmet? Because they were at war. Because they were in a battle. Because... The enemy had hammers. The enemy had battle axes. It was a short axe that with one blow they could actually take the head off of, a, of a, an opponent. And I'm not trying to be gory here, but I'm trying to make a point. Notice the back of the helmet came down. It, it guarded the, the, the back of the neck and the sides came down and guarded the, the neck. And church, we need to understand that we have an enemy that wants to take his battle axe and attack our foundation, and if he can, he wants to take our head off. Anybody ever dealt with him? The church, the helmet of salvation is strong. The helmet of salvation is able to withstand every time the enemy comes with the battle axe. Amen? If you know who you are in Christ and you know what He's done for you, then you don't have to worry about the enemy and how he tries to come to attack us. And I want to ask you today, do you understand the power of your salvation? That you were translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light of God's dear Son. That you're part of God's family. That you are forgiven. That God the Father looks at you like you have never ever sinned. Because all your sin was taken and placed upon Jesus at the cross. Is anybody happy about that? Church, it's not just a religion. It's a relationship with the Father through the Son because of what He did. God loved you so much. He sent His Son into this world. And His Son came as a baby, vulnerable. Went through the, the, the struggles of life in that time. And He experienced the struggles of that time period. Yet He lived without sin. And then He went to the cross. He allowed them to take Him. Nail Him to the cross. And He took all of your sin upon Himself that you and I could be forgiven. Hallelujah! <laughs> and that we can live a life where we're noticed. We could live a life that shines in the midst of the darkness. And church, it doesn't end there. We're in an eternal universe. We're going to live forever. And we're either going to spend eternity with God or we're going to spend eternity separated from Him in a place that God didn't create for man, but He created for the devil. And those that rebelled. So the choice is ours, church. It's a time when we need to let our helmets be seen. Let that red plume of horsehair or feather be seen above, above all the crowd. And I love the fact that it happens to be red. Now some other colors were used, but this and the common one was red. And when I see the color red, I think of the blood of Jesus. Amen? And so I want everybody to know that my helmet is covered with the blood of Jesus. My life is covered with the blood of Jesus. It's the precious blood of Jesus that cleansed me and set me free. I'm thankful for what that salvation does and for that helmet and how it protects us. When our minds are convinced of the realities and we train ourselves according to the Word of God, 
Guess what, church? It's more than a beautiful piece of weaponry. It's practical. It's powerful. It protects us. We go through life not worried about the attacks of the enemy. We go through life knowing that God is greater and Christ in us is greater. Amen? Christ in you is greater than He who's in this world. So we don't go with doubt. We don't go with fear. We understand what the resurrection purchased for us. The first verse that we looked at in launching this passage, I want to look at it again today. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3-5. through For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Now I want to stop right there. He's talking about the spiritual realm, the spiritual battle that all of us encounter. Now sometimes, church, the spiritual does manifest in the physical realm. Am I saying, pastor, that we should never defend ourselves or our families or our country? No, that's not what I'm saying. There is time when evil rises just like Hitler that thank God we had presidents and leaders of nations that came together to stop the evil. And it was physical. But I guarantee you that that physical was a manifestation of the spiritual. And so we begin by addressing things in the spiritual realm because that is where the war is ultimately won. Now look at this verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. They're mighty, church. Your weapons are mighty. You have weapons of mass destruction in the spiritual realm against the enemy. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself. Notice it says exalts itself against the knowledge of God. It's talking about the powers and the principalities of darkness that are behind these things. Exalting exalting themselves against our knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This talks about strongholds. What is a stronghold? I'm going to give you a simple understanding of what a stronghold is. In the original language, in the Greek language, the word that is used here for strongholds, originally means or described a fortress. It described a a castle or a fort, something that was strong and kept the enemy outside. And there's a powerful picture there that strongholds are like a fortress. That when we when we give in to the lies of the enemy or the, the attacks and, and the fear of the enemy that tries to bombard our minds, our thoughts. Church, the enemy understands if he can influence your mind, he can influence your life. Are you with me? He understands that our mind is a battlefield and he's going to strike anytime he can to cause us to think other than what God's Word says. And so, if we allow those lies or that fear, those misconceptions of the enemy to penetrate and we don't deal with them, the enemy takes those lies and begins to build walls. He wants to build a fortress around our minds so that brothers and sisters cannot penetrate that wall and see us into freedom. Are you with me? Now the word was also used in the New Testament times. It had become used for a prison. Now these prisons, these fortresses, they had massive thick walls. The fortress had tall walls. It was all about keeping people out. Now a prison is just the opposite. But it was still a fortress that had thick walls and it had bars And it would be used to keep people incarcerated, keep them held back. So a stronghold, church, is a lie of the enemy that attacks your mind that if you buy into that lie, if you begin to think according to the lie instead of according to God's Word, the enemy takes that lie and turns it into a wall that is thick 
that it will keep your brothers and sisters out, that will keep people from coming alongside you and helping you, and it will keep you incarcerated in bondage. In other words, you can't break through the walls and you're incarcerated because your thinking is lining up with the lie of the enemy instead of the Word of the living God. So church, it's a real thing. And he attacks our mind and he attacks our emotion. Our mind and our emotion. Those are the two areas that are so frequently attacked by the enemy. Because if he can get a hold and build a wall in your emotions, your emotions have a lot to do with how we're going and what direction we're doing. And, and, and if he can have us all stirred up emotionally, our focus isn't going to be on God and what he wants us to do. If our mind begins to believe, and this is one of the way, ways that the enemy uses this stronghold. He'll, he'll, uh, in Romans chapter 2, let me share this verse. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The enemy will come, and I, I ask this question, how many strongholds in lives have hindered us from fulfilling God's plan for us? Now there's two different kinds. I want us to see this. The devil wants us... To, he wants to hold us captive. He wants to attack us. He wants to stop us from God's purpose. And in the verse we just read in 2 Corinthians 10.5, there's a word that's used there called imaginations. And in the Greek, it's logismos, which is the word that we get logic from. And this is important because it means to reckon or to calculate or to consider. In other words, it's logical thinking. And I wonder how many people have been stopped from fulfilling God's Word, fulfilling God's plan, because they were thinking logically. Now I'm not saying that we all need to be crazy to serve God. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that the enemy will come at you in a logical way, and that's what that word means. So we have to discern, we have to ask God, Lord, is, is this logic that coming from my flesh? Is it coming from the enemy? What I'm thinking? And I'm just not trusting you to step out? Because church, there are times in your life that God will call you to do things that don't make logical sense. Amen? God called my family to leave Texas and come to Alaska. We didn't have any money. We didn't have any way to get here. But Melinda and I said, yes, Lord, we'll do it if you want us to do it. And we'll go where you want us to go. We've moved from church to church at different times. And, and a lot of times we were doing great and the church would be growing and it would be healthy and strong. And they'd, they'd be able to pay us decent. And I was thankful for that. And then all of a sudden God would come and say, your time's up here. You're going someplace else. Now, logically, it didn't make sense for us to, to leave because we had a great church family. We love them. And by the way, don't think I'm fixing to leave. I can tell. I can look at some of you, and some of you are getting, a, I wonder if he's going to leave. That's not where I'm going. I'm going to stay here as long as God will let me. Amen. I hope, I hope this is the very last church that I pastor. I hope that we all go up to, in the rapture together. But back to what I was saying. There were times that it didn't make sense. And God, you know, Melinda and I, you know, Melinda had a great job, a job that she loved. She was like less than three minutes from the school. And, and things were great. She loved the, the people she worked with. She loved the class that she was teaching. She was making good money there. And the church was healthy. We had a beautiful home. And yet, I call her up. And I say, you're not going to believe this. But I said, I just found out that the church in Wasilla is really hurting. They're really struggling. They've gone through a very difficult time. And I just talked to the superintendent, and God's presence filled the room when I sat there with him. And I believe that God's calling us there. Now, how many of you, if you were Melinda, would say, I don't think so. 
I've got a good thing going here. I love my house. I love my job. I'm close. Things are good. And you say they don't have any money. They can't even pay the bills. They can't pay us. Uh, Yeah, that's the story. Does it make logic? Does it sound logical to do that? No, but we knew that God was calling us to do that. Even though we love the church family there, we we'd built a new uh, auditorium. We were helping out in Anchor Point and Nanilchik. We loved the people there. It was beautiful. We loved looking at the volcanoes across from the inlet. We loved that there wasn't a lot of traffic lights. There wasn't a lot of people. But God said, Go. It was a time that logically it didn't make sense. And there have been many of those times in my life. Church, I want you to understand, sometimes God will have you take steps in your life that don't seem to be logical. And the enemy will use the same thing, that tactic, and he'll say, you know, you can't make it in ministry. You can't provide for yourself. You have a family or... You can't talk. You can't stand in front of people. The enemy used that against me because I was the shy kid. I was in the back of the class. I didn't want to ever stand in front of anybody. I didn't want to talk in front of anybody for sure. Now when you get me in front of people, you can't shut me up. It's because I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you about my awesome salvation and what God's done in my life. I'm not the same anymore. And I follow the Spirit of God. And if He tells me to do something that isn't logical, I trust Him. And God provides for me along the way. I've shared this before. You can trust God even when it's not logical. When we came to Wasilla, they couldn't pay us a dime for eight months. I spent $3,000 of my own money just to set up my office and do a few things here at the church. And guess what? God provided for us. I never ask anybody for anything, but I ask God. And God put it on a, a friend of mine's heart, and he, asked, he told my friend to begin to support me for a year. My friend sent me a check for $1,200 every month for a year. When you step out in faith and it doesn't seem logical, but you know it's God, God's going to provide for you. Amen? Some of the things that He will lie to you about. You can't go into ministry. You can't be used for God because of your past. You're too shy. You can't speak in front of people. You can't afford to tithe. You will not be able to pay your bills. Now, anytime a pastor talks about tithing, people look at him and go, oh yeah, he's just in it for the money. I already proved to you I didn't come here for the money. There wasn't any. But I'll tell you right now, you can't afford not to tithe. Because God calls us to be like Him and He is a giver. God so loved the world that He gave. He gave us the very best in His Son. And when we give, guess what? God brings it back. And He blesses us so that we can do more. And I'm not going to go down that road. So, You can't volunteer at the church. The church doesn't need your kind of people to help. The church needs all of you to help. Amen? All of you to be a part. And we could go on with that. But I want to go on. The next thing I want us to think about is irrational strongholds. And we talked about rational strongholds where we're thinking logically and it doesn't make sense to do this. But there are irrational strongholds. The things like fear, things like worry, things that are just completely ridiculous and, let the, and yet the enemy will speak those lies and try to get a stronghold in our in our minds. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it says, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The truth is, church, if you don't take your thoughts captive, your thoughts will take you captive. As a man thinks, so is he, it said in Proverbs. 
So there are times that the enemy will come against you with ridiculous things. But if you're strong in your salvation, you know that God loves you, that He's never going to leave you, He's never going to forsake you, and He's got a passion for you. In fact, Scripture says that He leaps and twirls and dances over you while He's singing over you. You think, God does that? That's what Scripture says. If you know how God loves you, how He cares for you, then you can take those thoughts captive. Now this is an interesting passage. In the original language, the phrase bringing into captivity carries the idea of taking one captive with a spear pointed at his back. That's the idea. So it's saying that it's, it's not going to be easy for us to take thoughts captive. We have to come with our spiritual spear and give it a poke. <laughs> Get on out of here! Amen? I don't want you in my life! Get out of here! George, how about that? You agree with that? That's it. You take those thoughts captive and you make them subject to Jesus and you can just give them a good stick. Get down before Jesus. You be obedient to the Lord. You can do it, church, because it's His power in you. Our thoughts are not going to be taken captive easy. We have to be determined to make them subject unto the Lord. If we choose to let our minds and our emotions continue to be dominated, they will control us with those lies of the enemy that become strongholds. And we will inevitably become oppressed. And church, God wants you to live in freedom. He wants us to experience His freedom. When the helmet of salvation is wrapped around your head, covering your mind, the devil's strategies to take us captive cannot work. Amen? They cannot work. The word salvation from the Greek is soterios, which means to be saved, to be delivered from danger, and to be brought into the safe place. Church, if you are not sure today where you stand in Christ, if you don't know that you are saved today, then I invite you to come in just a moment and pray with one of our prayer teams. And walk out these doors knowing that you have that relationship with Christ. That you have that helmet of salvation. And you're ready for whatever battle you face. Last Sunday, I'm going to ask the worship team to come and our prayer team to come. Last Sunday after church, I went home and I received a phone call. And it was a young lady that had been dating a young man and he was going through Bible studies together with her and, and he was leaning towards Christianity but he didn't know how to get saved. And I led him to some Scriptures in the third chapter of John and in Romans and talked about what the Bible says about coming to know the Lord. And I had a wonderful opportunity before that phone call was over to lead that young man to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. And I prayed over him and I prayed that that salvation would be powerful, that he would understand his standing in Christ Jesus. That he would be ready. That he would know those lies of the enemy are just going to bounce off. That's my prayer for him. That's my prayer for us today, church. That we will know who we are in Christ Jesus. That we will firmly have that beautiful, ornate, but yet strong, powerful helmet of salvation that will deflect every attack of the enemy from our mind and from our emotions. That we can just listen to the Spirit and obey Him. Follow Him. And church, when we leave this place today, that that helmet of salvation would be tall, that it would be seen, that it would be obvious wherever we go.
The people would be in awe of how we speak and how we live our lives. Church, if you work for an employer, there should be something different about you from the non-believers at work. You should do a better job. You should work harder because the Bible says that we're doing it as unto the Lord. So those around you, your employees or the, the other employees that are slacking next to you, they should be upset at the job you're doing. They should wonder why. Why don't you slack like the rest of us? And you can't because you're representing Christ. When people see you, there should be an awe about the life that you live, about the person that you are about the presence and the power of God in your life. And there should be a respect, even if they don't believe in it. Even if they persecute you. Even if they mock you. There's still going to be a respect. Because they see that you're walking what you believe. You're living what you're believing. And a lot of those people are going to say, I want to know what it is. Will you stand with me? Prayer team, would you come? Thank you, Jesus. In church, I'm not saying that you're perfect. I'm not saying that you don't stumble and make mistakes once in a while. All of us do. But a Christian repents. A Christian is responding to the Holy Spirit and says, Holy Spirit of God, help me. I, for, I, I want your forgiveness. I want your cleansing. I repent. And Lord, help me to speak what you would have me to speak. Help me to live what you would have me to live. And we get stronger in it. We get stronger in it. And we fall less. And we fall less. We're never perfect this side of glory. But we can live a life that is going to be seen. We can live a life where we speak what God would have us to speak and do what God would have us to do. And the world will see it and observe it and be in awe of it and have respect for it. And that's my prayer. I want to be that man. How about you? Father, we just come to You today. Lord, we thank You for our salvation. Lord, we don't deserve the salvation, the grace that You've given us. We don't deserve to have all our sins, all our mistakes, for, Lord, just removed and cleansed. Lord, we don't deserve that You look at us and You see us as if we have never, ever sinned. But You sent Your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us, to take all of our sin, to pay the penalty, Lord, that we couldn't pay. Lord, we're thankful on the third day He rose again that He is alive and well at the right hand of the Father. And Lord, that we have a helmet of salvation today. And Lord, if there are those that are struggling, maybe the enemy's been lying to them, maybe the enemy has these lies that are attacking their emotions or attacking their minds. Lord, maybe it's, it's a lie like God's not going to heal you. And last week we heard, after three years, where God touched Mary and healed her and her doctor verified it. Lord, we thank You for that. Lord, we thank You for the wonderful salvation that we have. In Jesus' precious name. As the worship team begins to lead us today, 
I just want to open up the altars in our prayer team. Some are in the back. Some are here in the front. And if you have a need today and you, you want to pray, we're going to spend just a few minutes. Please be respectful. I, I know our time's about up. We're not going to go long, but I want you to know we want to pray with you. We care about you. We care about your family. We want to agree with you, whatever you're facing, that God will intervene in that family, in that home, in your life as an individual. And again, if you've never made a commitment to Christ, we would love to pray with you today. We would love to see those strongholds of the enemy broken. Those walls come down. And for us to live in freedom. Will you come, Mitch? There's a table that you've prepared for me. In the presence of my enemy. It's your body and your blood you shed for me. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle.
Lord, we just thank you today for the armor that you've given us as your soldiers. Lord, we do recognize that we're in a battle in this life. But Lord, the battle belongs to you. You have won the victory, Lord, and we're just implementing the victory of Christ in our lives and through our lives. And Lord, today we rejoice in the helmet of salvation. Lord, we're thankful that we're, in, in, we're secure in Christ Jesus. Lord, that you've got a firm grip on your children. And Lord, that no matter what we face, Lord, of the attacks of the enemy, Lord, you're greater. Lord, your salvation covers our mind, covers our emotion. Lord, no matter how great the battle acts of the enemy, Lord, it's going to just repel him. Lord, we thank you today that you're greater than any stronghold that we believe. And Lord, we repent for believing the lies of the enemy. We repent, Lord, even when it, when it seems logical, Lord, for not being obedient to you. Because, Lord, you have the big picture. You have everything under control. So, Lord, we just go forward today in our salvation, in the victory of the cross. And, Lord, we rejoice in the armor of God. And, Lord, I just bless your children today. And, Lord, if there's anyone here that hasn't made that commitment, I pray right now that they would, Lord, just surrender their heart and their life to you. Lord, if there are those that have drifted away, they become complacent in their faith, I pray that right now they would reaffirm, Lord, I belong to You. Lord, I, my heart is surrendered to You. My life is surrendered to You. Lord, I want to fulfill the plan that God has for my life. So Lord, I just bless each and every one today. I thank You, Lord, for them. And Lord, those that are struggling with the COVID virus, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over their lives. I speak healing and health for them. Lord, I just ask you to protect those that haven't received that virus and acquired it, Lord. I just pray for protection, Lord. I pray Psalm 91 over them and over their dwelling place, Lord, that you would protect your people. And Lord, bring us through this. In Jesus' mighty name. And Lord, that we would not live in fear, but we would trust in You, Lord. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. God bless you. I love you, church. I'm thankful that you're here. Greet somebody as you leave today and tell them that you love the salvation helmet that you wear. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to connecting with you next time. And don't forget, you can support us by giving through the Church Center app or by going online at summitwc.com give.